This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. The 2020 Democratic National Convention was held for the first time online last week. And this week, Republicans are gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in Washington, D.C., and online for their convention. With me by phone to unpack some of it is Stephanie Clifford, president of Baldacci Communications. Welcome, Stephanie Clifford. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm very well and grateful that you've joined me this morning. Um, my first question is, do people sometimes mistake you for Stormy Daniels? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I Yes, I've actually, people have used that joke many times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry, it's probably like dill pickle, but I did have to get it out of the way in case anyone (laughs) thought I was speaking with uh, Stormy Daniel. So Stephanie Clifford, we were in Philadelphia together for the 2016 Democratic National Convention. So let's get started by you just briefly describing your memory of it and what it did to you. Yeah, I um, I went to the 2012 and 2016 national conventions. I helped organize them for the main Democratic Party. So I had a, I was working at the same time as, you know, being part of kind of the energy and craziness of the convention. So my experience is a little bit different than, say, a delegate's experience. Um, and you were a national delegate, so I'm sure you kind of experienced different things. But um 2016 was, um, I mean, for me, the culmination was Hillary Clinton's speech and Chelsea Clinton introducing her was incredibly emotional for me. Um, I have daughters, adult daughters, and it just really was very moving to me. Um, I, you know, the whole, the convention, as you know, conventions are, um, pretty messy in that there are like thousands of people under one roof trying to do various activities at once. So um, this year is just having watched it this past week, it's just so different than a traditional convention. Now, are you are you working for anyone this time around? I'm not. No, I have a couple small projects, but I'm not involved in the presidential. So So before we get to the details, or not really the details, but before we get to the nitty-gritty of the 2020 Democratic National Convention that was just held recently, as you said, um, just the overarching question is, in your mind, did the first online convention work? You know, I really think it did. Um, I think, I don't know if I was the only one, but I had fairly low expectations for it. I think lately everybody is you know, given the times, I just felt like, wow, this is going to be kind of a drag given, you know, like I said before, the the energy of an in-person convention, there's kind of nothing like it, good and bad. Right. (laughs) It can be (laughs) 12 hours later, you know, in the same arena as thousands of people gets pretty tiring, as you know. But um, so, so I felt like this time I had you know, low expectations. It's like, how good can this be? This is just so different. And the energy wise, I was wondering, of course, um, theme wise to, you know, messaging, I do a lot of messaging. So I was kind of watching for that. But I think they really did a phenomenal job um, from an organizing standpoint and kind of technological standpoint. It was pretty flawless. I think I watched 
almost every minute of it, which is kind of crazy because I hadn't really intended to, but I got pulled in. I, I thought it was really well done. Um, they, there was just really good coverage of the issues that Democrats care about. Um, I thought the speakers were really good. And short. Um, and they were short. And that was good. Yes, yes. And I think oftentimes, at the, as you know, too, at the national conventions, it's it just it sometimes drags. And of course, you know, the cool part is having the interaction with the crowd, but on the other hand, it makes it so much longer. So I I think it was punchy and good, good energy and and great speakers. And it was not just the the big time, the big name speakers, you know, I thought down the line, they, the speakers were really good. And the thing that I really liked was diversity. I mean, it just seemed you know, in terms of age and, and women were all over the place, which I love. Of yeah, it was course. colorful. It, yeah. seemed, it seems like the, t- the attack against President Trump was largely based on really his competency. Like, I thought that was smart, that it wasn't about, you know, what an idiot he is. It was like, you know, he's just not up for the job. Did, do you think that that was strong enough um, yeah, I do. You know, um, both uh, Barack and Michelle Obama hit on that. And, and I, I think that's smart for the kind of, let's face it, I mean, it, it, we're going after the middle here in terms of an election, the independent slash more moderate Republicans and more moderate Democrats that might have crossed over for Trump last time. So I do think that's important because... Um, they both said, which I thought was very interesting, that they they wanted to give him a chance, right? And right. that at the beginning, well, okay, maybe he'll be okay. Um, but she ended up saying, you know, he's just the wrong president for our time. And that Barack's was much more foreboding about the end of democracy, which, you know, a lot of people talked about afterwards. Um, but I do think that's smart because, you know, the, the tried and true Democrats are, are going to be with Biden. I mean, let's face it. So we're all we're fighting over that middle place. What about um, what about build it back better? I my personal view is that we're not going to see any blue hats with like B-I-B-B, um, like the mag, you know, the MAGA hats. Yeah, what, yes. what, what's Do you think build it back better resonates with the middle? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I haven't really thought of that. I, I um, they yeah, did okay. say that a lot. I, I was, I was looking at their, their more overarching, I don't know if it's more overarching, but the uniting of America and, right. and that, you know, good leadership matters, especially when you're in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. and a major economic crisis. Right. Um, well, the fact that you don't really remember it, I think, answers yeah. my question. It didn't really hook you. Joe Biden's speech, it sort of reminded me, I don't know if you saw the 2010 British historical drama, The King's Speech, starring Colin Firth. I did. <laughs> when Joe Biden started his speech, I was like, I don't know, it just um, it reminded me of that. In your view, did Joe Biden do the job? Yes, and I think he did. You know, I one thing to note on that, the King's speech thing, that's a very interesting point you make because 
I think that that somewhere along the way, people, his team did a really good job with having the young man, the 13-year-old who has a stutter, and also, you know, and they always do the historical the bio, biographical videos of candidates, right? And talking about his mother. Do, do you remember that yes, video they had? Yes. His mother saying, Joe, you're the smartest kid in the room. Like, So I think that they lowered expectations about, you know, he's just not a fantastic speech maker um, and, and also speech giver or whatever. But also... Um, he, I, I think his, uh, I, we, we were kind of cheering for him because you came from, I mean, I'm a big Democrat, so I'm sure Republicans were not, but you, you're, you looked at it more like, oh my God, here's this person who struggled with this his whole life and he's giving the biggest speech of his life and wow, he's doing well. And I, I do think, you know, it's interesting. He started off, in my opinion, he started off fairly slowly. Um, I, I didn't think he was fantastic by any stretch, but then he really gained momentum. I thought he was very strong. He did get he he did get fairly angry. Yeah, did you quickly. Well, what I noticed there was this whole range. Like when he was yeah. first, he's saying, you know, are we ready? He identified, you know, these four major challenges: COVID, the recession, you know, race, climate change, and he said, you know, I believe we are, and we were, he was hopeful. And then he was talking really movingly about, you know, family values and his son, Bo. And and then it was like in a in the snap of a finger, you know, he's I'm I'll stand up to dictators. And it was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, he got tough and that was good. It was good. Yeah. And his one of the themes I liked was or the I think he repeated it multiple times was in the darkest moment. We found the light. Did you notice that? And yes. He, he said that multiple times. And I, I think that's really smart because I think, I mean, we this is just crazy times right now. I mean, people are desperate and depressed and without jobs and sick. Yeah. And it's just insanity. So I thought it was, it was really, yeah, it was hopeful. Yeah. And it, what resonated with me personally, because this is a value of mine, is the importance and healing power of finding purpose. I thought the fact that he said, that, like, yes. this is how he's gotten through these challenges in life is finding purpose. And I think that's a really good message for young people, you know, that there, this, this is the path forward. You have to find purpose in your life. So I thought that was great. Um, in terms of speaking to the rural working class voter who, like you said, is in the middle, in the middle of America, I thought it was interesting, too, that he emphasized, like, the dignity of work and saying, like, we the people. I mean, there was almost, like, echoes of some of the Republican themes. I don't know. Do you, did you pick up on that? or? Am I- yes. Uh, well, he's got to win back some of those rural blue-collar voters. I mean, and I think— Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But he's, all, you know, he's had those voters. And, and what they've said before, too, and some of this is a negative when you— look at um you know just some of the progressive dems or new dems is that that's who he's not new democrats but i mean young voters um he's always been that guy right i mean he is the blue collar guy whose dad lost his job and faced tough times so yeah i think he was appealing to those folks and he he needs to and i don't think i think he needs some of them back yeah (laughs) <laughs> under the 
Uh, Craig Hickman, the um, House representative um, from the Winthrop area, was the national delegate who appeared on, I guess not television, but on, you know, in the convention. Yeah. Um, and his quote, you know, was like, my American dream, I'm living it. Now, he is a black man living in a rural area of a very white state, and um I thought it was interesting that his focus and his pitch was not necessarily about race, even though that's clearly like an overriding issue of the election, but rather on like small business and, um, you know, making an honest living. Um, did you have a reaction to Craig Hickman's appearance? Yeah, you know, I didn't know who it was going to be. I was kind of making predictions in my head as, as they were doing the roll call, which, by the way, I thought the roll call was really great. Me too. I was so surprised. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, my God, 50 people are going to have to talk. Yes. And I just, rem- you know, I almost moved away, but I didn't. I was drawn in. It- Yes, me too. Um, I actually thought of you with the Rhode Island calamari because aren't you originally from there? <laughs> yes, that was funny. <laughs> that was that got some play. Definitely. Um, but but Craig Hickman was a great choice. He's also gay, and so it just I mean it, it just this is all part of like highlighting the diversity of our party, which I'm so proud of, and in these these times i mean with with trump at the helm as president he's just dividing us and and i just think the the theme of unification and pride in 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 how different we all are and yet we're all unified and that goes back to craig's um statement that he's living the american dream and i do you know that kind of it's interesting you mentioned that because um Kamala mentioned that as well just we need to make sure that I I don't know the exact quote but it was basically um, making sure the American dream is available to we've left behind so many people Um, well I yeah and I think Craig Hickman was excellent in terms of representation of black people who are fighting for racial justice but at the same time living the American dream and succeeding and I think it was just a, a great I don't know, good representation. What Now, Sarah Gideon, who's challenging Susan Collins, of course, everyone knows that, she also appeared on the national screen Monday night of the convention, introducing Maggie Rogers, who's known, I think, kind of it's humorous that her most famous song is Alaska. <laughs> did, did Sarah Gideon um, make a strong appearance for herself in introducing Maggie Rogers from Prout's Neck in Scarborough? Um, you know, I, I, yes, because she's a good speaker and she's charismatic and it was beautiful setting. I mean, I think they were, I don't know if they were at two lights, they were on the ocean and it was beautiful main scenery. Um, uh, I, I don't know Maggie Rogers actually. So, um, it was interesting to me because I thought like, who is that? why is she important to this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know her because I saw her at Thompson's Point with my 20-something daughter and that her most famous song is Alaska. So I was confused too. I thought it looked a little bit like a Lilith Fair concert. Um, I thought Sarah Gideon had a good week until the next day when, you know, for Susan Collins, the Senate Intelligence Special Select Committee came out with this, you know, <laughs> bipartisan yes. report. Um, I 
I think that was the juxtaposition. I think ended up hurting Sarah Gideon a little bit, in my view. But um, do you think it helps? Do you think Sarah Gideon and Susan Collins' race is, is it going to depend at all on what happens at the national conventions? That's a good question. I, I don't think so. Um, if you were advising you know, Susan Collins, would you tell? Would you advise her to make an appearance at the convention for for the Republicans? <laughs> Probably not. Um, no, I, I mean, again, she is. They are fighting. They're in. You, I mean, you you're watching TV. It's it's the TV. The ads are insane and incredibly, you know, on all the time. And they're fighting, they're fighting for the middle, both of them, because as you know, Senator Collins has pulled from the middle every time she's run. She's been very strong with independence. And so appearing with Trump seems to me would be a mistake. Now, um, looking looking ahead to the RNC, the Republican National yeah. Convention, are you? Do you think you'll watch it? <laughs> I love that question because I'm kind of battling with myself over that. Um, yes, I, I want to. It's it's a little tough to take, <laughs> uh, especially since Trump is speaking every night. I know. What? Uh, so, I mean, they have a huge lift. They really do. It, it's looking at, you know, back at history, mo- mostly incumbent, incumbent presidents. Um, this is kind of their moment, right? It's like celebrating all they've done and they've got all their supporters underfoot and, you know, live. It can be better, very energizing. But I mean, this is just a big lift. We're in a terrible place right now. Yeah, what do you think? Um, Last question. What do you think Donald Trump has to do to win? Like, at the convention. What do you think he has to achieve? At the convention? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's got to convince people that, you know, he he's done a good job. And I, I, honestly, because I do have some family members who are Trump supporters, which is difficult but I I do think his supporters his base believes that he had an incredibly strong record economic record even though Bloomberg blew that out of the water at the at the Democratic convention it really was not strong but they do believe that he um he our country is better off was better off before the pandemic and they're they're kind of setting the pandemic aside saying that well that's not his fault that's what i mean trump cannot talk about he does not talk about the pandemic because he's had virtually no leadership around it and it's gotten it's been so much worse than it had to be and so they're going to steer clear of that and uh talk about you know the stock market yeah exactly exactly well, Stephanie Clifford, I hope that you will appear on this show again. And um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for asking me. That was fun. Take care. Take care.